questions the lens of beauty and power. You'll hear unfiltered conversations with a dynamic myriad of female visionaries interwoven with my own mental health story, lessons, and philosophies. Yesterday, the summer solstice occurred. It's when the earth tilts toward the sun at its maximum during its orbit. So basically, yesterday, the sun appeared at its highest elevation. I love that this day happens right after Juneteenth, which is such an important, remarkable day, not just for our country, but especially in Texas. I have my own family history, and so to celebrate this day as a mark of freedom is really near and dear to my heart. So with the mark of summer solstice. I love thinking of it as a great time to write and to write creatively. Writing has a really beautiful therapeutic method to it. It's really a practice, a ritual, and I am understanding that ritual more than anything is one of the more grounding resources we can cultivate from within. I've been thinking a lot about desire, like what do I actually want in my life and how one decision can affect the next decision, which can ultimately affect how I get what I want. I think reflection and also just really deciphering what those desires are because they do change and they are actualized or not. <laughs> um, it's really important. And so I want to talk about writing. I want to talk about how it can act as a therapeutic modality. I want to talk about different ways that you can write creatively. And I want to drive home that whether you subscribe to being a writer or not, it really doesn't matter. Anyone is a writer, anyone that can pick up a pen, anyone that can go on a walk and have a thought, anyone that can linger their fingers over a keyboard is a writer. I don't think that it has to happen any one way. It is just an act of processing. For me, writing is how I sift through my thoughts. It feels really meditative. Photography has always felt super active and conversing with other people in conversation has always felt collaborative but there's something about writing that is isolating like in a good way there's something about it that's quiet and slow it helps me put words to entities and you know parts of my life that feel intangible I've found so many answers and epiphanies about the world around me and the world within me through writing. Paper holds a lot of power. Your mind is a container. And the most beautiful thing about paper is that it doesn't talk back. It sits there holding 
crystal clear space so that you can pour your mind onto its surface. Through my own creative writing process, I've developed a few techniques that are tools in developing self-awareness and personal growth. It's not always easy. It's intricate. Uh, you know, it can be absolutely frustrating, but the relationship between you and yourself deserves nothing less. They say the hardest part about writing is sitting down to write. And so I can promise you once you get past that step, things get a little bit easier. So for this episode, after this mm, four or five minute introduction, I encourage you to open your heart, grab some paper. You'll want to take notes for this one. Creative writing has the ability to combat stress and even depressive symptoms. It can improve mood, memory, and work performance. Admittedly, my memory has a tendency to lose me, or I lose my memory. I think both happen at the same time. <laughs> Having a little notebook nearby or just writing things down in my notes app or even jotting them down with my voice in a memo has proven to be so helpful. I can't forget if I record. And I think that's an important point. Um, I think some people are, are averse to journaling. Maybe it feels a little too romantic. But you could just think of it as a collection of data. It's essentially a log book of what has happened in your life and how you have processed what has happened. There's a lot of power in writing it all down. Writing down your desires, tracking your thoughts, keeping up with your life, especially now as the world continues to spin faster and faster. It is very hard to keep up. But if you can record and remember, it will make everything so much more digestible. I think going back to those desires, keeping track of them, and really understanding what they mean on a deeper level will aid you in better understanding the purpose of your life and even just your days. It's so easy to fall into this need to imitate other people and their desires, but often they're not a mirror of us. They just make it look good or they're happy or they have some semblance of success that you think you need too. But you can't fall into comparison because you will never know what it feels like to be them. And oftentimes what they have and what they do is far from what you do and what you have or even what you want. It's only what's on the surface. It's only what looks good that's appealing. You know, I love perspective, and I think the beauty in poetry and creative writing at large, especially when it's in regard to your own life, is that it can provide a framework, a structure, a perspective that's fresh and new on stress, trauma, grief, relational difficulty, and, and even the positive experiences in your life, digesting them and Holding them high, like to high regard, can feel 
really, really rewarding. Writing encourages compassion, not just for other people, but for yourself. It slows things down. It helps you add texture to your identity so that you can really understand who you are and what you care about. Ocean Vuong is one of my favorite writers. I think a lot of us can get blocked, not just the part where we have to like sit down to write, but also when we literally go to write or even when we're in our writing practice. We might linger, we might pause, we might feel like we have nothing to say. I love what he says about that because he doesn't believe that there is such thing as a creative block or a, a writer's block. Instead, he says, if you're working on a poem or a story and you're hitting a dead end when it's not going, take it with you. Get away from the desk. It means something is not happening. It doesn't mean you're blocked. I don't think writer's block is real. I think it's the mythos of capitalism that you're always supposed to be producing. This anxiety of being productive and quantifying your self-worth through page counts and word counts. So I said, you're working, but you have to work differently now. Now you have to work with your body. Maybe there's questions you're not asking. Maybe you have to recite this poem and walk with it. I love that quote. And I think it really speaks to the power of recognizing what you need and understanding that it's not always literal. There's this really interesting theory to consider, and it's embedded in trauma work. I read about it as I was researching EDMR, which is a form of therapy that is more somatic. It's, it's more bodily. And the theory was saying that EDMR has this ability to make you more of a novelist and less of an essayist. And I really loved that. I have this tendency to fall deep into the memoir type writer and speaker. I'm narrating my life. I'm very nostalgic. I tend to get stuck in the past. Not necessarily just on bad memories, but just in general. <laughs> and I think a lot of that is rooted in this desire to, to storytell. But sometimes I can get myself stuck. And so I really love the idea of falling into this sort of hypnosis, this sort of like trance state where you're, you're thinking of your life from a novel standpoint. You're not really telling, you're showing. And that, I think, does exist in creative writing. There are quite a few exercises that you can walk through to creative write. And a lot of these can also just help you through a process instead of just starting blank slate. Sometimes that can be overwhelming. It's really great to have some kind of a structure, some kind of a prompt. One of my favorite things to do is to just free write. And it is literally just that. It's an activity that allows you to write without concern over context, grammar, or other rhetorical elements. In basic terms, you just write. The best thing about the pen and the paper is that you can't hit delete. You can't really judge yourself. 
if you keep it traditional, it allows your brain to fully purge. You write without overthinking, which can be really limiting. We all know what it feels like to hover. When you write freely, you're encouraged to keep your pen moving no matter how resistant or judgmental you might feel. I have a good friend, her name's Elaine, and she's talked about her writing process. A prompt that she uses for free writing is she'll actually just grab an art book or go to Google's Arts and Cultures Weekly Highlights and she'll choose an image. And with that image in mind, she'll write stream of conscious for a timed 10 minutes. She says, the goal is simply to write with no little editor hovering over you for those 10 minutes. At the end, regardless if you love the words or not, you have a few pages of writing. And if you do this every week, you'll soon find you have gigabytes of writing you've crafted with small treasures from each day and new connections to the art you've filled your life with. It is a ritual practice in self-kindness, creativity, and reciprocity. The art gives and so do you. Time gives and so do you. And for me, somewhere among the changes, I have found my voice again. There's something to be said for massaging your words. A lot of the stories and essays I've published actually come from a long form Google Doc where I've just created like pages and pages of free writing and sifted through them and read back through them and deleted and sent them to my husband and to friends and asked them what it made them think or how it made them feel. Some of them have never been published and some of them I dropped into an article, a caption, or conversation, not just with other people, but also as I just go about my daily life. Creative writing can interweave into your life. They can become personal essays, too. They don't ever have to be published. Creative writing is in large part just for you. It is just another practice. I love the idea of writing on a Friday morning before you start your day and then going back on a Sunday evening and expanding the sentences, deleting words, adding phrases, picking one sentence and seeing how far you can take it. The longer the game, the better the ending. Words have a funny way of changing. There is something really important in designing your frame. Writing can give you framework, but you can create the frame too. What's empowering about storytelling is that the teller has power over the story. You get to decide what you put into the frame. I like to say, if we're going to modernize it, it's kind of like a Zoom call. You might see, if you're talking to me on a Zoom call, <laughs> that I put on mascara and a pair of earrings and a nice top. My room is clean and the space is peaceful. But you're really not sure if all that's true because you can't see everything. I'm probably in sweatpants. The room might actually be a bit cluttered with laundry, maybe on the floor. My dog is barking on the back deck or crawling under the fence, which we've recently discovered is a thing that he can do. I chose where to place the camera. 
And that is no different than the parameters we set around our stories. I think those parameters are boundaries. Consider drawing up your own personal VIA, which is your values, your interests, and your abilities. There's a really great book called Belong, and it describes the diagram as a tool for creating your dreams and your community, your dream community. The activity will compel you to study your own identity and the things that truly matter to you and how they overlap. Those are the topics that you can think on, linger on, and write about. I love this really simple practice. You just call it A to Z. You just write from top to bottom, A, B, Z, D, E, F, G, and so on. The alphabet is what it's called. <laughs> and you pick a word for each letter that will somehow connect to the next word. And you tell a story. It's very difficult. It's kind of like a puzzle. But I think it helps detach you from the importance of the story. It's more about just finding a word for the letter. And a lot of times that's all we're doing. We're just trying to find language to explain how we feel, what we want to say, how we want to connect. And there's something really simple in that. One of my all-time favorite ways to write that I don't even know if it is directly correlated to creative writing is to write a love letter. It's a really fulfilling act of service but it's also a gift. It's also words of affirmation. It's like every love language tied up together. It's the act of writing a letter to someone you love. What often gets lost are the things that person teaches you about yourself just by being on the receiving end of your words. You'll find that the way you describe your day, the thing that's ailing you or the event you can't wait for, is the most authentic version of your writing. That's the style you want to keep. So, when you get a minute, when you get a few minutes, I urge you to find some quiet space, find a tree or a room that's empty of noise and chaos. Maybe it's sitting in your favorite chair and write a love letter to your favorite person, just the person who totally gets you. You don't have to get specific. You don't have to get all wound up and overwhelm. You don't have to overthink. Just tell them everything. And then, when you're finished, read it. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. I love that therapy and mental health are active in so many different realms of life and that you can access different parts of yourself in so many different ways. It's never ending. 
I hope that your summer is off to a great start. I can't believe it just started here in Austin. It's been like 100 degrees. The last time I talked to you guys, I was getting ready to go off to New Hampshire for a race. I ran the, well, I walked and ran the race, to be honest. <laughs> it was at Mount Washington this past Saturday, and it was supposed to be seven and a half miles, and it was going to be brutal, um, but the weather had other plans. It dropped like 30 degrees overnight. It was wild, um, so we ended up doing four miles, but it still was one of the hardest things I've ever done. It was really elating, and I think last time I mentioned maybe it's not the best form of elation at this time in my life. I'm working to lower my cortisol levels and to just keep things in balance, and I think the act of competing is hard on my system. But I will say when I reached the top of the mountain, really the whole time, I just felt so much fulfillment. And my friend and I crossed through, you know, the finish line together. And it was just a really beautiful metaphor for a journey. I spent months training. And I think all of that hard work actually just made the process enjoyable. I was less concerned about doing a good job and more concerned about how beautiful all the trees were and how special it was that I was amongst like 1,500 people, you know? There was a really cool community aspect. Even though it was brutal and we were all in pain, it felt like we were taking care of ourselves. So there were, were a lot of lessons there. Um, I, I really would tell anyone, if there's something you really enjoy doing that's physical, Find a way to, I don't know, get on top of a peak. <laughs> we didn't. We drove to the peak, which ended up being terrifying, but we were headed toward the peak. We had the intention of making it to the peak. <laughs> so whatever that peak looks like for you, consider preparing for it and reaching it because it's, it's just so rewarding. All right, I will talk to you soon, to be exact two Wednesdays from now. Have a beautiful day, even if it's not that beautiful.